Shalom, shalom, shalom. Here we are again. Greetings and welcome to the Sadoth the Mage Experiment, uh, part two of our enlivening and informative discussion that we had with the legendary Keats Ross, equally legendary Derek Hunter. Uh, tonight we're going to be maybe focusing a bit more on Praxis, I'm not sure. Are we, guys? How no, magic we- can help as a recovery tool? And our actual techniques, because I think we talked about our kind of journeys about addiction, but we right. didn't talk much about the magic, did we? Yeah, but, you know, you brought up in our conversations outside, you know, just kind of discussing, you know, the first praxis of addiction and magic is withdrawal in a way. So I think that'll be, you know, enlivening to discuss, because I'm sure we all have our fun stories. <laughs> Fun might not be the word, but we have our story. definitely not the word. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to uh, tune into my channel because we didn't take, I've got a really bad habit of ignoring live chat altogether. So I'm going to try and um, actually talk to these guys. So who can kick us off with some, you know, experiences of withdrawal and how magic, the practice of magic, practicing magic actually helped us? I've always wanted to ask Derek this question, too, because I don't know how long you said you'd always been sinewing, you know, magic and and stuff a little bit. But how long until you got really clean? Did it become a full on practicing method? Uh, Well, I mean, in regards to uh, to magic. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that was something that I I did start, you know, while I was using. Uh, So that was something that, you know, I. uh, was already doing prior to getting clean and uh, and sober. So it was something that I think it was, uh, was already a part of my life. But for me, in terms of how I got into it, uh, I, I think I talked about this last time was that I primarily got into it through like conspiracy theories and my interest in, uh, in like the, uh, um, uh, was really into yeah. like conspiracy theories involving Kubrick and then that, went into the Illuminati and we stuff. That. I guess my question just to refine it a little bit is, you know, when it became a serious routine in a ceremonial way uh, with the sobriety. Well, okay. So I, Oh, with the sobriety. Okay. Yeah. So when you jumpstart, like, yeah, a number of years later. So what, what, what magic, so coming from me, I'm a, coming from a very, I think you got we're, all three of us are very similar in the senses that we're very skeptical in our, in our approach to magic. We're not, we're not like we don't see fairies flying around and dragons blowing fire out of their mouths. And and so, I mean, I don't know. My, my, my approach to it was, you know, there's a possibility that those things can make uh, appearances in the in the visual. Uh, you know, I can see entities, you know, prancing around and stuff like that. But for for me, I, 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 I'm not re- I'm never really convinced of something until I really see some evidence of it, you know. And so what what really convinced me was that it worked uh, when I tried it. So I already know when I, when I was deciding to come to quit hard drugs and then, uh, then again, remember I was a, a, a major alcoholic for another year. So uh, I never, I was going through withdrawal, but then I just substituted the meth with alcohol. So then by the time I got to the point where I needed to use uh, magic to uh, help me get over alcohol, I had already known that it was, I had a really strong confidence that it was going to work. Um, so I think that it, it uh, I think people need to see like the evidence of, of the practice itself. And so for me, uh, you know, I think, I think that, I think this is probably true for most people, but like the fact that it uses sexual energy uh, in a really important way was something that really appealed to me. And, uh, I knew that primarily to make this thing work was to use the power of, of, of the sexual energy. Um, and uh, that, you know, again, for me, it was primarily both a, a, a working with entities that I had a, a, a relationship with. So a very emotional connection with and a very central relationship I had with them. Uh, then working with sigils and then just uh, allowing that to play around. And sort of uniting this sort of theurgical aspect of having this very tight uh, unification relationship with these deities involving orgasm, sigil work, and implanting these, you know, statements of desire. 
So it was a, in a very involved process and making sure like involving dance, moving my body, twirling around, uh, doing prayers, uh, you know, and getting, and getting really into the details of the different items that I would use. So it would just become an all encompassing experience. It would just, I would eventually get to like a, a trance state. And once I got to that trance state, I could plop those uh, statement of intense down. And, right. uh, you know, and that, yeah, it was really, I basically, I knew, I knew that a lot of my problems with addiction had to deal with my, just like my, my deep, deep, deep uh, uh, traumas and deep uh, uh, habits. So it was like in combination of, of, of previous pain that I experienced uh, and how my ha- I had formed habits to deal with that pain. So I knew that just like positive thinking was going to help, but I needed to penetrate really deep down. So I, I had this strong conviction that magic would help me uh, penetrate that area. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, when I was thinking about this show, you know, we're trying to uh, promote sobriety and stuff, but um, magic and altered states of consciousness, have, have, you know, they're, they're so entwined. And in my life, you know, I kind of discovered magic through altered states of consciousness. So um, I don't want to say, yeah, it was drugs that led me to magic, but in a way it was. So you know, it's yeah. a, it's like it's it's hard to say. Okay, you just give up all drugs, and then life is more magical. But right. It actually is. Well, yeah, it can I, be. Have all drugs, of course. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah, my- yeah. It just that it, when we're talking about altered states, uh, I think that what uh, like you you had uh, Julian Vane on, and he talked about his lecture about he wanted to give a lecture to um, these college students, basically telling yeah, them college, how to university. How they, yeah, how they can get high without drugs, you know, and yes. like all these different techniques that you can use to to alter your your state of consciousness, you know, and alter your mind and how you see things that enter into these other zones of experience. Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, it, mine yeah. was definitely parallel towards the end of heavy drug use. I was, you know, it was parallel. It was in tandem with magical workings, but you it definitely felt disassociative in a way. Like I remember it you know, pedal to the metal um, when I got real clean off things and my curiosity became a drug and my obsessive nature of, you know, embarking in these even painful kind of magical experiences, you know, being out in the woods and meditating for three days under the full moon or the eclipse in August 20, you know, 17, like putting myself in these ways to where my body wasn't getting pleasure, but it was almost the antithesis of that that like really helped me dive into, you know, the spectrum of feeling when it comes to magical praxis and how important things like withdrawal, you know, and things uh, of like a more of a nasty nature, you know, when it comes to the poisoned feeling or the letting go of toxins, the exorcism, if you will, you know, of yeah. things like it can be quite joyous and very transcendental in itself. I've often thought of the opium poppy for me was uh an embodied demon that had invaded my uh but the, the very first time I smoked heroin uh, I was in the band at the time and I went in the practice room the next day and I was like guys it's I feel like it's like a serpent that's just sitting waiting there and they're all like oh, don't talk so you know don't talk after it it was just a puff I was like no that's it's so yeah there there is like a it's a, it's a and it's insidious, you know, it, 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 it feels like an angel. It, it cured all my problems. I was walking on air for days after smoking heroin, and then it gradually gets seedier and dirtier, and you're hanging out with the disco crowd when you first start taking it. Five <laughs> years later, you're in a council house, and, you know, there's right. dog shit on the floor. Well, it's important, too, to I think for me was to realize that the incubus had always been there sitting on my chest. It was just the advent of using, uh, you know, put the pressure on and brought him out in a way. You know what I mean? So it was like an unlocking of the serpent, but the serpent was always there in a a sense. Interesting way of looking at it. I I never, well, I suppose it was always, I I always kind of knew I was going to end up a drug addict because all my early heroes were Sid Vicious and, uh, you know. Burroughs, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's a good that's a good question or a uh, thing that I think people need to po- pose to themselves. What you mentioned, Keats, is that uh, is that that serpent, that demon, that um, the the heroin brings out, or any drug. You know, is it already there, or is it is it an outside force that enter, enters um, our lives? You know, and uh, that's a good question. You know, there's always that. You know, I, I always remember, you know, my, my crystal meth friends would always say like, oh, we're we're more real when we're on meth. You know, we're really we're, we're more, <laughs> you know, we're more, we're more in touch with our emotions and our mind and we say what we feel. And, uh, you know, there's no um, censorship, you know, or anything like that. But when we're sober, it's like we're not really really not really truly who we are. And, yeah. This whole talk of letting go of inhibitions, you know, I feel there's an irony to that because I don't think it's it's almost being, you know, possessed and speaking uh, through a tongue that doesn't have inhibitions. But I don't know if, you know, the super self or the true self would talk and act like that if it got free will. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's it always felt like looking through a lens in a way like right. Yeah. Yeah, how I describe like the difference between LSD and mushrooms would be analog versus digital, or I mean, vice versa. LSD being digital, you know, shrooms being analog, because it always felt like with LSD or these uh, these kind of synthetic drugs, it always felt like you were wearing a gla- you're wearing glasses and you were seeing the world through the lens, and you could always separate yourself a little bit and remember that. Like even in heroin or meth or whatever, it was always like I I very much knew innately that there was, you know, a, a a possessor in a way, or there was something that was you know helping pull strings and rattle on about different things and you know s- seek whatever. But when it comes to things you know that are more analog, it feels a bit more of like unlocking something that's innate within the self. Does that make sense? Yeah, the the occult idea of finding your higher self was something that I'd I'd really been into before I got into heroin. You know, I, I'm still I would never criticize weed or uh, I think it does kind of link you with your higher self in a way. I'm not into total abstinence, as you know, but uh, the heroin absolutely divorced me from that. So yes. when I went through my period of withdrawal and attempted recovery a few times, I thought, yes, now I am uh, making contact with this higher self, whatever that is, you know. It, yeah, it seemed like it was an agitator. And, and um, it's a fantastically, it can be a fantastic creative process, although there's a lot of pain, but pain seems to come with creativity, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, the advent of these drugs, even in just my understanding of my consciousness of why I took them, you know, there is, they are the outside agitator, but they, they're agitating something that's inherent within, in a way, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, it was a Pandora's box really. And, you know, these drugs were kind of the key and it was an oak, like as long as you were high or dealing with these, you weren't dealing with anything, you know what I mean? Like you were allowed to just live in this, Transdimensional plane, <laughs> you know, yeah. separate from the, you know, the woes and the and the and the you know sorrows of the day, or whatever. You, that, you, so go ahead, Steve. Sorry. No, all I was going to say was, you know, when you're a drug addict, life is very simple. You've either got drugs and you're happy, or you don't and you're unhappy. But then when you stop, things get a whole lot more complicated, you know. And you yeah. need to find ways of dealing with that especially after a long addiction. I was like 25 years, you know? Yeah. I heard a funny thing uh, in a meeting once and it was, uh, you know, once you stop doing drugs, all your drug problems go away. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's it. You know, that's, you can look forward to that and everything that it, you know, that bled and, you know, corrupted in your life. But yeah, there's still everything else, you know, real life rushes in. I spoke to a guy that had, I'd been like a senior when I was just coming up in the the CD world of drugs and he was kind of off it. And I, I was like, well, how'd you manage it? And he was like, oh, you know, I'm not enjoying it. Life's never this, you know, life will never be the same. You'll be suffering for the rest of your life. And I thought, thank you for that tip. <laughs> so would you guys think though, like when you, so we're, you know, talking about withdrawal, when we talk about that point, when we stopped doing the drug that we were addicted to, um, 
Do you think that at that point, then we're we're actually sort of naked with ourselves, and that the drug we're kind of masking and covering up certain things? Oh hell yeah! And so you know, we, yeah, it is a part of the reason why people relapse is that we yeah. it's very difficult to deal with ourselves. Yeah. And, and what well, to say the diazepam when I tried to come off the diazepam. We just, I hate to admit, but I still have like yeah, two milli, four milligrams a day. Sorry, I, I just could not beat because I was a shrieking, massive horror. Everything just seemed um, very scary. Um, yeah, benzos are the worst. You know, I've stopped crack cocaine, but yeah, I can't. Right. I can't stop that. I, I need a, I need a break before I tackle that other one. The chemicals <laughs> are the worst. You know, that's totally understandable. They really are. You know, I was meditating on something we talked about last time. Uh, there was mention of, you know, you when you quit, you are who you were before you quit. Yeah. Like, no matter the time difference. Right. And yeah. it's true, like, in, uh, in many regards. But it's also this funny, weird kind of, like, you know, time um, discrepancy where you have the consciousness to know of all of the things you've done, but you're back in time in this older body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having yeah, exactly. I'm a 25 year old mind in a 50 year old body. Right. And that's yeah. rough. Man. And there's a lot of pleasures in that too. You know, I was in my work with nostalgiamancy and like dealing with trauma, uh, even just kind of looking at old photos and kind of invoking, you know, the best times of that time. There's still a lot of troubles during those times when, we were younger and beforehand. And yeah, there's this fallacy that, you know, once you quit these drugs that, you know, after you're off them and you're okay without them, that things are, you know, are going to progress in a way that you want, you know? And right. uh, yeah, it, I don't it know. It doesn't happen. No. no. Because it, it, life doesn't work that way. You know, it, um, I think that's the thing is that, uh, um, so often we, uh, we, 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 when we say, do we quit this drug that we are so in love with? Um, and we're, we're doing like the right thing, you know, like it's going back to being like a, a little kid, you know, it's like our parents telling us, you know, don't do this, you know, or don't do that. And then we stop, okay, I'll stop doing that. And so I'm doing the right thing. And then you expect everything to, to, you know, fit nicely. And it, it doesn't, you know, and it, it like, uh, I think that's where it, it, it really hurts is that um, it's trying to find the, the, the rewards. So since we've yeah. been training ourselves so much with getting a reward, instant reward yeah. with getting high, that we're, we're still looking for a reward in some way. And, then, and, that, and, and we're not getting really the reward. We're just sort of wondering, well, why are we doing this? But of course, drug addicts, we're, you know, every every single human being has that reward um, thing. It's just they they use yeah. other other methods. Their kids are doing well at school. Their wife looked pretty in the, that dress. You know, everybody gets rewards for behaviors. Right. I think, well, I hate to say it, but your drug friends were right. Drug addicts are more honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're honest, you know. And too, that's you know, we were talking about before we came on. There's such a simple primal honesty and when just that situation infects your life, right? There's I've always said if I had the same drive and gumption, which I'm still learning to do as I did, you know, looking to score, that yeah. I'd have the world at my fingertips. Yeah. You know, so there's like a transposition, I think, you know, that we can take those powers of those hungers that we felt and utilize them for, you know, the embitterment of the self or, you know, we just you know, uh, growing in a way, but it's, it's hard when something like that infects your obsessions. It becomes the only ticket out of strife. It becomes the only ticket out of, you know, just mundane terror, you know? <laughs> like, right. So it's, it's funny. I'm tr still trying to figure out how to develop a mechanism to where I still have that hunger, that focus, but for it to be of something of a beneficial sort. Yeah. So the, what we're saying, what we're trying to say is that spirituality and magic can be that other, other thing. You know, we yes. can chase yeah. that as hard as we used to chase drugs and uh, creativity. I mean, hands down. 
yeah, form of magic, you know. And yeah, it saved my life many times. But you know, as we're talking about magic as a recovery tool, like I can't express enough how much it's enveloped, you know, my health. Even, you know, I still struggle. There's still recidivism as with always, not with the hard stuff, but say, you know, I quit drinking recently and, you know, it's still going to be a rough and tumble, you know, but like keeping the eye on, you know, the focus to expel or like have these creative exorcisms, like it means the world, you know, I don't know if I could do anything I would be doing if I didn't have the curiosity or the hunger to like search or better the self or create or any of this you know right i think that's the key is having that same kind of passion which is what you're just talking about keats you know and i think it's important to know even if you do you know if you we don't even have to say the word relapse because we could just say whatever i mean we we you know you you, you drink again you know it is what it is i'm i'm not a 12 stepper so i'm not going to say you relapse and you got to start at scratch you know, you got to start at point zero again, <laughs> right. you know, that's just, that's a really rough approach. And and I can see the value of that. And, uh, and I will get, I will get hard on, on friends and myself, and I'll get hard on you if I feel like it's necessary, you know, yeah. to, 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 to take it seriously, you know, it, uh, it, it but it is, it has to be uh, an all consuming, uh, um, passionate, uh, thing. And I think that, this is why, like, what I really feel strongly that people should um, find entities that you um, really have, like, a really devoted love for. Um, I feel really, really strongly about that. That you, that it, it's not a matter of just playing around with different, different uh, gods or goddesses or deities or spirits or demons or whatever, but it's like you have a real strong attachment uh, to them, so that you'll keep coming back to it. You know, and yeah. Um, well, I'd like to talk about that with you, too, because definitely through my experiments with finding these deities, you know, and they can be very um, not all mired within the traditional ideas of, you know, spirituality, you know, gods and goddesses or whatever deities. They can be artists, right? They can be, right, um, right. you definitely. know, it's a, it's a whole gamut of things. And like with my divergent magic stuff, I've learned to like every day kind of equate you know, an offering of the day to a separate deity in a way. And they can be, you know, musicians, artists, they can be Santa Muerte, they can be, you know, uh, anyone from the, you know, anything basically. And it's been, it's been great in the sense of not kind of putting so much pomposity in maybe their, their value uh, through to traditional senses and sure. you know kind yeah. of creating your own relationship your own novena with them right yeah right it doesn't they don't necessarily have to be uh you know entities or deities that have been worshipped you know thousands and thousands of years ago or if there's a tradition associated to them it, it, it yeah no definitely i and i let you bring up a good point too that you know artists previous artists like I, previous artists have been huge in my life like I through throughout my life since going back to my childhood, I've always like really looked up to previous artists, whether it be writers or poets or playwrights or uh, filmmakers or painters or musicians or they always played a huge role in my life and um, and I think it's uh and I, I don't necessarily think that's necessarily a, like a bad thing. You know, well, I think I, that, my thing is the deification of their humanism instead of deifying them. You know what I mean? Like, so, I have a real, like, constructive way of approaching. I don't like to deify people. I don't like to deify humans, but I do no, like to. We can't deify of, work, though. Artwork. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's like looking at the aspects of these artists and stuff that should be inspiring, separating the artist from the artistry. In a way, you know, art is magic. I've always oh, yeah. thought it's that that was the form. magic. It's not a very yeah. fashionable idea at the moment with the grimoire thing, and you know, everybody's right. gone back five hundred years. But uh, you know, um, yeah. So I was, I was talking earlier on about the idea of somebody that's just clean and how important that little gap you've got. You know, 
you right. don't have to earn a living. You can you can get money from the government in our civilized countries. Um, right. What a great time that is to do a mini magical retirement, and really focus yeah. in on some some practice. You know, meditation, banishing rituals, um, blood sacrifices. If you, <laughs> only joking about that one, but yeah, that kind of stuff. You know, um, physical. Um, you, you were. I used to do the same. I used to like uh, listen to like loud rock music, Bardo Pond, flashing lights, um, do like exhaustive um, rituals until I was absolutely sweating and trembling, and it, it absolutely um, gets you in a different place without drugs. You know, and like I think it's important to remark to the necess- the necessity to be easy on oneself when first yeah. quitting. Yeah, you know, it's like the especially with hard drugs. I think the the prime, you know, motivator should be being clean. Now, these are ways to help you be clean, like creativity, especially music and writing. I used to when I was going through my fits of withdrawals. You know, a pen and paper is the greatest magical wand. Right. You know. Uh, you could wield, um, especially it's like in this method acting of setting intentions and, you know, picturing what you're going to do once, you know, this incubus has gotten off your chest and writing, you know, and writing what's, you know, coming in the in the future that you're you're hoping, you know, that the exhalation of, you know, this this incubus is going to award you with. Right. Yeah, it definitely is important. I think in the beginning, you know, I think for most of us, we've done hard drugs. And I think if you're going to quit that, it's going to be a really rough, rough period, whether it's heroin or crystal meth or in alcohol, too, is is a rough one, you know, very rough. And um, and it's just so easily available everywhere. It's just all in front front of everyone, you know. So I think it's important, I think, to do uh, um, really simple acts of magic at this point, really, you know. Not get bogged down with technique, but more right. with, I think, the, the one of the things you can tap into when you're in this desperate state is your emotions. You can use these these feelings that you have of hopelessness and shame and guilt and powerlessness and, and, and invert them, you know, and, and turn them around. Use that anguish that you have and turning around into something positive, into like, right. things, you know, hope. Or, or love for yourself, love for other people, yeah. you know. Uh, Angst is a great motivator. It really yeah. is. You know? you, that's also like a, a transmogrification or a transubstitution, isn't it? It's taking yeah. something and turning it into some, something. It's a holy communion. And turning it into something spiritual, which is yes. the essence of religion in many ways. Yeah, definitely. There's a, a lot of think, uh, we, you know, one doesn't need to know a whole lot about alchemy just understand that that basic principle what you just talked about is about which is i think behind alchemy is is taking using something that is could be uh, you could see it as a base or not very important material and that material i think the strongest stuff for magic is is our emotions i think that you utilize your emotions for your practice um it makes it all the more powerful so you can use those uh, emotions such as shame and and horror and uh, things that, you know, we don't really like to experience and turn it into something where uh, we can feel proud about ourselves. You know, this is why I think when you go to 12-step meetings, there, there's a number of different techniques to use it at 12-step meetings that I don't think that they're quite aware of, but there's a lot of magical practice going on. And uh, I think they're doing it unconsciously. They're, they're not aware of it. But one of the things that they do is, again, the, the feelings of shame and the feelings of a low self-worth that we feel as addicts, uh, I think, you know, they talk about, you know, how how amazing it is when you can uh, get a day clean or you can get two days clean, you know. And, and there's a sincere, uh, uh, um, you know, congratulations coming from people that had been through it, too, uh, to confirm you and to lift your, your self-esteem up. So they're transforming that those, those feelings of low self-worth into uh, feelings of, of, of relatively high, higher worth anyway. And yeah. uh, that transformation is really uh, extremely important. 
I'd be and, remiss if I didn't, you know, expand on the power of prayer, even secular prayer, and that simple incantation, you know, every day, even one of gratitude, you know, one done within the communal aspect, say meetings or whatever. Like it's, it's such a hot wire trick to help rewire positivity and focus in a way. Yeah. And something I kind of picked up on, I've never been to any meetings. I've never joined anything. Um, but community, you know, when you're a drug addict, you've got your little drug using gang and you become in- incredibly close because you suffer so much and you have so many highs and lows. So yeah, you, you need another community to take that place. You can't do it alone, you know? And I think the occult community is uh, a fantastic place to go because they understand outsider kind of, you know, there's a lot of weird and <laughs> wonderful yeah. people in there. And they're very accepting. I know from just having this channel, um, you know, occultists are one of the most open-minded um, groups out there. They definitely can be. Yeah, I think the possibility. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely can be. What, you mean they aren't always, Gates? <laughs> well, just like any, you know, just like any. It's just a, a disparate group of individualistic personalities, you know. But I think us joining all in together for, you know, this outward search for communion with the other, like, has everything to do, even if you will it down, the cross-confluence of mental health and, you know, occult cross-confluence of you know, drug addicts using the occult or magic, you know, like it's so profound how many of us felt or came from dejected, you know, beingness and surroundings and rough and tumbles. And out of desperation, we sought this other and we found each other, you know, when it, when it comes to addiction, you're already automatically in an outsider position. Um, because, you know, when you become an addict to something, you know, you're kind of on the outside of society already. Then when you take that into uh, effect, you have uh, in the world of uh, uh, recovery, it's, it's dominated by 12 steps. Right? The 12 steps dominates recovery for sure. And then that includes a big portion of the 12 steppers are, are Christian are, are, you know, are definitely, uh, you know, the followers of uh, Christian uh, ideas. And so then you've got that. So then when you've got people like ourselves who practice the occult, who do magic, you know, we're even further removed from, uh, we're even more, we've become like a, a sub, sub, sub <laughs> yeah. group, right? We're even, a, we're even our marginal genre. <laughs> yeah. We're like a sub, sub genre, you know, because it's like any, any, because even like the secular people, like, you know, Keats knows about it. And it, like that's what I do every week is a, is a secular group because that's what I feel more comfortable with. You know, I just I feel I have a, a that's my sober community right there, which is really small. Like the secular sobriety group is, is very small. And uh, but here we have I mean, it's 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 hard. I, I don't know of an occult support group. You know, I mean, they're really I mean. There's definitely people online who are are communicating, but it's uh, in uh, in in regards to like an organized occult sober support group, it, it would be uh, hard to find. Start one. Yeah, I was gonna say if there was ever a call to arms, I think this is the beginning of one. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, I think because I think there's people out there. I think there's a lot of people in the occult who are struggling with addiction. And they're probably a lot of other people in the occult are probably minimizing it because of the fact that so many people in the occult really embrace intoxication. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so they, there's this sort of looking down on anybody who's in the occult as wanting to be sober. Like that's ridiculous, you know, because our heroes, you know, or some, you know, our so-called heroes like Crowley and spare and others were all, you know, Jack Parsons was major drug addict and, uh, you know, it was just all about getting high. You know, there's there's very few examples in the occult of people who were sober individuals, I think. That's they were cheaters. True. Just kidding. <laughs> that is very true, actually. That probably explains um, a lot. For me, anyway. Yeah. There's, you know, it's riddled with, especially, you know, uh, coming from an artistic background, as I'm sure with you too, Steve, like, 
and Derek, you know, yeah, you're you're being funneled these works that sing to you, and then you dig deeper and you find out, you know, the machinations that you know went in the variables that went in behind making this work. And one of the common through lines is, you know, uh, disassociativeness with drug use, or you know, an outsider dumb with with uh, heavy drug use, and it can't be denied. Um, that's not to say that great creations of work and especially magic, you know, can't be done. Yes. But I do think there's something that sings to me about the people that have kind of survived the rough and tumble, yeah. you know, that have right. been through it. Those are the people I want to listen to, like both of you. You know, I'm not I'm not in the money to or in the money's a funny aspect, but like I'm not in this to listen to and seek and you know the the guidance of people with an outsider perspective on something very generational for me you know well it, and that's it, why it, we look to these people that's why we're like you know oh is there a way out but a lot of the times you know well, it, uh, it, it, it's so it's it, it it was one of the frustrating things i think was just trying to find a voice of of sobriety in these different areas like it's hard for me i can't think of a a writer like all my favorite writers were either drunks or addicts you know uh and uh most 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 of my favorite painters had problems with it um although uh i do think picasso was sober i'm not sure it was fairly straight he did smoke a bit of opium in his his earlier days but he, he he was not a out of control addict or drunk Picasso is about the only one I can think of. Well, that makes sense. He was my big hero, and he was a complete uh, guy, a sardine-infested bedsit. The Mm -hmm. one field that I do see inspiration and has inspired me in my sobriety is in modern music, from people like uh, David Bowie uh, to uh, some people may not like him, but Trent Reznor is another example. Like, there's a lot of people, or John Frusciante, there's a lot of in the music industry who are created a great I, I find I admire a great deal who went through their turmoils and came out on the other side as sober individuals and continue to make great music right and, that's you know, always the fear I had that if I stopped taking drugs and stopped drinking the creativity would go away because that's what fueled it and it, I, well I, but I'm still drinking aren't I but not, you know, not you, lot. and it, you, I think I think it makes it look like I drink a lot more because I specifically drink for YouTube videos. I'm you not like that all the time. Yeah, um, but I was gonna say when I when I quit, it wasn't that the creativity stopped. It's that my uh, excesses in putting stuff out stifled. <laughs> you know, I still created, but I had a little bit more wherewithal what not to release. Maybe it's just when you're wasted, <laughs> you don't have that quality control, you know, so right, you just exactly. pick everything out. Oh, that's fucking genius, man. Yep. That's Three exactly right. right. Yeah, yeah, we've all done it. Everyone it, needs to hear this masterpiece. <laughs> it's definitely there. I think the creativity does not go away. What the right. thing is that it, the, the, the drugs or the alcohol or help us to uh, tap into it. Um, so the key, I guess, what is, what I guess is the way to figure out people is how you tap into that creativity, which is what you're going to have to tap into for doing magic too. Like how do you tap into that, uh, the other side of existence? And I think that's where, where um, I think that's where you, re- where one becomes um, really invested with your imagination. Mm-hmm. You really take the time and energy to invest in, 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 in what's going on up here and what you can create in your mind and then become less reliant on outside um, tools. So that, you know, uh, yeah. I was just going to say one of the things, especially from a creative standpoint, I was always ready to just make music. Like if I, or, you know, write. If I didn't know how to do something, I would learn it through the process of doing it. And I found with magic, like there's there's that inkling too that it's just cooking. Like if you don't have all the ingredients, you just kind of improvise. But I think with somebody that's transferring their consciousness from a you know uh, uh, a disassociative you know state 
into sober minded things. I think it's better to, you know, hark on more traditional methods and kind of learn, you know, before just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks in a way, you know what I mean? It kind of helps teach a routine. It teaches, you know, a bit more of, uh, yeah. So what are we saying tonight um, to people who are maybe not deep, deep into magic, but are really struggling with addiction and are looking for some, like a, a kind of easy, e- an ease, a way of easing in to magical, spiritual stuff to help them, you know, not not coming from the, I'm into magic, but uh, I'm, I'm really fucked up on drugs and I need something to help me now. What would you recommend, guys? Sure. I would recommend that, again, keep it simple. Uh, really understand, like, really try to avoid uh, overly elaborate steps or techniques. Um, and there's there's a lot of different things that people can do. Um, like, what I did was primarily work with sigils and invocations. Yeah. So, like, those are the two key things for me is that I, I really – those things uh, uh, appealed to me is the idea of invoking the qualities of an entity that I found attractive uh, in doing certain things, saying, say, saying out loud. Your voice is very powerful, and when you speak out loud your desires and then also your devotion to an entity, uh, it, it does a lot to you and your, and your, uh, your whole body and your whole mind. And then if these entities actually exist, they respond to it too. Um, so I, I would say that you know keep it simple. Um, really stick stick to your uh, uh, tapping into your emotions and using your emotions uh, to get you out of it, because uh, that could be very powerful. You by in your in your state of desperation, you can use that as an intense fuel to um, to really uh, uh, create some powerful magic. And doesn't again? It doesn't have to be elaborate or anything. It could just be simple sigil magic, where you you write out the desire. I'm no longer going to do heroin, you know. And you take those words, you cross out all repeating letters, you take the remaining letters, you distort them into weird shapes, and then that's your sigil. And then just simply masturbate while you're looking at the sigil. And then uh, one of the ways. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just, that's the way everyone does it. Come on. And as soon as you come, as soon as you orgasm, you know, make sure you have that thought as a, in the exact same moment that you're you're coming. So that point is when your conscious mind is supposed to be in touch with your unconscious mind, you know, and uh, it's certainly whatever it is. You know, again, I, 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 you know, all these different ideas, I'm open to them, whether they, they're real or not. But there's certainly it's powerful. And when you actually try doing these things. And one of the things I think it's good with utilizing sex, uh, sexual energy, is that it helps you to overcome uh, any kind of social uh, uh, insecurities or hang-ups that one may have, and uh, you uh, you don't you're not worried about how other people will perceive you, you know. So you're you're one you're using very powerful energy, and then two you're helping to overcome. Uh, uh, in, you know insecurities that we all have and uh and when you do that uh it can become very uh, effective i have an anecdote real quick and this is very personal but uh the last time i ever used a needle i wrote a sigil that that would be the last time i'd ever use a needle like there years ago sigils are incredibly powerful it was um, the intention and you know this was like 10 years ago or something or not even like i don't know maybe less i'm probably outing myself and revealing too much but that's why we're here today um but i had wrote you know uh, i was working very intensely with with sigil magic and i think for someone that's kind of transforming out of or like within withdrawal it's the easiest and more most effective thing to kind of you know, help facilitate it rather than, you know, I was also writing sigils on daily rituals, like just show up, take a shower this morning, get out of bed, sigils to make sure I eat. You know what I mean? Like all of these written intentions just to do mundane things because we can't, you know, it was, it's, uh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't like expand on how much, 
how hard withdrawal is. Like it's incredibly difficult. So you have to be easy on yourself first. But I think that if you just show up, if you keep yourself to a rhythm and to a routine, and if you use intentions, you use sigils for even mundane things, like you're in the most perfect like space to really charge work and build on it yeah. by just making sigils about, you know, obviously not doing drugs that day, but also, you know, having three meals, uh, making sure you shower, like start small and achievable, start small. Like I can't express that enough. You know, I think everyone, especially when you start to feel the warmth of sobriety and you think that maybe the world is your oyster in a way, like the impulsivity reigns supreme and it could lead to recidivism if you're not cautious with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I would say, um, you know, uh, magic is often, now this, I'm taking this straight out of a guy that I'm going to be interviewing on January the 22nd, Lionel Snell, uh, a.k.a. Ramsey Dukes, but he said a lot of people come to magic looking for power. Yeah. What you actually end up with is wholeness. Yeah. Um, so he's a and very desperation is the biggest adjunct to yeah. a lot of people's search for for magic. So it's a gift to be in a state where you're so open to receive and be curious about these things that are so outside of yourself and communing with the other. That's a gift. Act on it. You know? Getting yourself back is a, a real treat. So, um, you know, it's a fantastic time. I'm also reading Paul Hewson's Mastering Witchcraft, and he talks a lot about, you know, gathering that witch mind and, and getting into yourself as a sort of powerful being. And it's the perfect time to, you know, after being so unpowerful, after relying on dealers and this and that and this connection and this superstition and don't leave your heart in the bed, to reclaim your right. life, right. get into magic. A, superstition is my religion. Like yeah. creating these kind of otherwise absurd rules just to have some sort of, you know, a maneuverability through a day to kind of like these, they're little anchors to kind of yeah. keep you awake. Magical thinking is not a fucking yeah. psychological illness. It's a way of life, baby. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like I said, at the, at, at the lowest point, and Stevie and I have talked about this all the time, like on my worst day, they're psychological tricks at work on my best day. I'm communing with the other that's outside of myself. Right. The whole gamut. The the point is, is that it works no matter what. Right. And if it doesn't work, then that's okay too. Cause I think that uh, if for someone who's starting out with uh, magic and you're worried about whether it's going to be effective or not, um, I think it's uh, it's more important just to do the work itself rather than to worry uh, uh, if it's going to be uh, effective or not. Um, you know, I yeah. think they, you talked about earlier about um, having a routine, just doing it, just showing up and just doing what we, we plan to do is, uh, is in, in, a, in and of itself is, is the form of, uh, of success. Just yes. By sh- yeah. It's the small rewards. And like we said, you know, you're building the evolution of, you know, you went from extremes with rewardship, right? And yeah. so you have to kind of mire it back, you know? And it's insane. All of your feelings come back to it. Like, I really feel it's the most magical time after exercising your body from poison to really start working on this stuff. You you feel every cell in your body you feel every emotion flood back like you're you're just a walking wound that sings to the world you know <laughs> like and this is the time to like really start you know communing with it it's it's actually really exciting i hope that like excites people and that knowing that yeah it's going to be drab for the first 3 days or whatever and you need to focus on that and be easy on yourself you know right. uh, but at the same time there is like a there is a major reward yes. that's coming yeah yeah there's a there's definitely the excitement of sobriety and i think yeah. that people who haven't gotten sober probably don't know that but there is it's and in the 12 steps they talk about it it's the first year is like you're in a what's called a pink cloud so when you first are sort of like you're gung-ho about sobriety you've decided you know i'm done with this drug i'm not going to do it anymore here I go. 
you're all excited and you're throwing yourself, you're motivated about staying sober, you know, and you're spending time with other sober people. There's that excitement. And that, and, and that's actually um, extremely helpful um, because yeah. that year is also the most difficult year too. So that excitement about sobriety can help you get through a lot of the issues of withdrawal. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to uh, button here, guys. I'm going to wind up because, you know, I've been working today and i got work tomorrow. But Jonaside asked a very interesting question. Uh, how... How do we feel about the similarity between addiction rituals and magical rituals? How do I feel? They are pretty similar. They're very similar, aren't they? Yeah. Scarily similar. How do I feel about that? Um, you know, I think it's just an absolute truth that, that when we're passionate about something, even if it's a negative thing, we we make these these rituals and these reward systems in just the process of doing it. You know? So you're substituting an unhealthy one for a right. healthy one. Exactly. Yeah. And all society is based on ritual. You know, every, every, oh, yeah. everything we do is ritual from getting on the tube or the bus in the morning to and that's what I'm saying, like, you know, make like uh, perform some animism with the mundane objects and, you know, bullshit uh, rituals of the day, like really celebrate them as magical workings too. you know, going on. a It's like the doing the Burroughs thing where he does the color walk on your way to the bus station. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every single like, thing. That's every everything. Yeah, like you can do it, and it gets really exciting and stuff. So it, it can yeah. be as obsessive too. Um, obviously, it waxes and wanes, but yeah. Okay, question from uh, Jasmic uh, Jasmic Emerin, Jasmine Emerick. <laughs> question: Will you guys do a show with examples on how to use make signals? I think she maybe means sigils for addiction. I was like, hold on, I may have one right here, actually. I have actually done a show on how to do sigils. They're very, very easy. And oh, you know yeah. What? I Dim don't masturbate over them anymore. You know what I do? I just do them in bright colors and post them on Facebook. And the act of other people seeing them just seems to set them off beautifully. I so, rarely do a sigil that doesn't land nowadays. There you go, Luke. Right. Yeah. This is like early work during my recovery. So anybody that's watching this back, yeah. pause that and then read that page and you'll know all about well, it. It's, it's a bit personal because it's like a, it's a, oh, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's, uh, we've got so many resources on how to do them and they're just, just create a simple mantra or simple intention. And you don't even have to go through the Grant Morrison thing of Xing out the words. Just focus on that intention and doodle. And a doodle until some like symbol makes sense. And then you can charge it, as Derek said, you know, with masturbation, or you can charge it by there's burning it, there's burying it, there's getting it out of your mind in a way by still an act of like putting it in the mind, right? So there's there's all sorts of ways to do it. It's actually quite easy. And also, uh, there's one if I had to recommend one book uh, for someone that was getting into. I call it magic, but it's kind of, I don't know if I'd call it strictly magic, but Prometheus Rising by Robert oh, Anderson. It goes through each, and I so believe that this is how our brains do work, you know. Yeah. Circuits and how, um, you know, addiction is like first circuit. It's like, yeah. Anyway, I can't describe well, it. When he talks about the quarter up. trick, right? Yeah. Like having the intention to just find a quarter on the street. And now that, your mind is intended on finding a quarter in the street, you'll probably find many. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think the key thing is, is that is to be creative and, and use your imagination and to know that, you know, when it comes to magic, you really can find all kinds of ways to do it. You know, there's, there's no one way to do it. And when someone tells you there's only one way to do it, then that you're wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's the great rub with chaos magic too, which is why I love it, you know, but it's also, it's, it's in the way that it should be. It's like I, I referenced earlier, you know, when I did a, a voodoo ritual with a dear friend, you know, he described the magic as cooking and it's just like, whatever you have, like, you're going to read a grimoire and it's going to say to get, you know, sheepsbane or something. And like, there's no way you can, you can yeah. find that, but you can right. substitute, right. you can work with anything that's around. You know, just the process of doing it, even if it doesn't yield results, keep doing it. 
And there's another issue that a lot of people have when they start is a magical ritual will work wondrously the first time, not work the second time, and they'll quit. And that's all because you can't do the same thing over and over. You have to keep experimenting and, and you know, and trying right. and, and yeah. Yeah. And if I, I like, if you find something that does work for you and it's, it, and you like, and you come back to it too, it's a, it can be something as a, as a routine, you know, that you look back to because it, I think that's part of the, the um, reason why we become addicts is that we, there's a routine that we know we go to where we know I'm going to, if I go to that crystal meth pipe and I, and I smoke from it, I'm going to get a certain result from it. It's so simple, right? It's so simple. Yeah. And, and uh, if you can find certain routines in your life that you can do maybe every day, because that's what I do every morning I wake up and I have a routine uh, involves prayer and, and ritual and uh, I cannot, and just like before, I couldn't get my day started without crystal meth or alcohol. Um, I, I now, I, I, I'm the same way. I can't do, I can't start my day until uh, I do those those rituals every morning. And um, it's just something, it, 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 is it OCD? I'm not so sure, but it's it works and it helps provide certain stability uh, that my mind and my body seems to need. and. Uh, I feel very happy about it. It allows me to do so much more in my life. And one thing I think it should be mentioned, we haven't mentioned it before, is the importance of meditation too. Mm. Um, people who really spend a lot of time meditating, especially in the beginning, just to get comfortable just doing nothing. Um, it's you, you know, though, I've heard uh, people with kind of debilitating mental illnesses that meditation can be triggering too and and hard to do so there's other ways to supplement a meditation honestly ritual baths showers just meditations and showers just that routine cleansing of the physical self like it means a lot yeah no definitely meditation can be very um scary uh i think even if you don't have it if you're not diagnosed with any mental illness you could still be a scary thing because all of a sudden you stop and you can even stop your thoughts and you're just there and you're with yourself. And that's, it could be a very frightening experience. You're just sort of there like that. But the more I think people can do that, uh, the healthier it will be for them because then as the thoughts and feelings come to you, you'll be able to deal with them. I think better uh, to identify them, uh, what they are, where they're coming from and what you can do with them. And then once you're in that position, you have more control over what you can do. Um, yeah, you got to face it, unfortunately. Okay, right. I've just got an idea for, for part three. I'm not going to tell anyone yet. But guys, do you mind if we wrap up now? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Stevie, thank you for hosting. And I know you had a long day of work, so I appreciate it. Guys, I think we're going to... Yeah, I'm not going to say what I think part three might be, but it's kind of leading on from that. But it's a big... Uh, box to open right now so I think we'll leave it for another show thank you Derek Hunter oh can I just say please um, Love Chaos and the End of the World which is it's, it's called the End of the World you, I've got them they're at Melanie's of course every time I need a book it's it's the, the place that I'm not at but Derek Hunter please check out his work Keats Ross famous in everything he does <laughs> not famous for anything thank you very much live chat it's been great um Oh, is that Robin? Did I see Robin? No, no, I'm tripping. Eagles. Oh, yes, she is there. Yes, she is. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. I did try and chat to chat a bit more tonight. Sometimes I forget. Okay, guys, love you. See you for part three. Thank you. you Ciao. See you guys. Good Good night. Thank you.